Welcome, everyone, to the Analyst Desk Podcast, where we break down competitive League of Legends so you don't have to. This week, we're going to be tackling World's 2018 semifinals. The Analyst Desk would like to thank the Shot Caller, Proven Grounds, the Daily Walkthrough, and Broadcast GG for being sponsors. You can find links to them in the description below. This week, it's the same analysts. Uh, luckily, Ginny was not found by the Chinese government. So we have Cole. What's up, bros and bays? How y'all doing? Mad Magical. Hey, hello. How's it going? And Ginny Satrina Wu. Good day, good day, good day. I'm still alive. I'm not in China. <laughs> so we're going to start with the best matchup. Because it has not two Western teams. We're going to start with G2 Esports versus Invictus Gaming. The two big upsets now facing each other. Magical, you were a little unkind to both IG and G2 last week. And here we are. We're both in the semis. Do you think that the G2 131 uh, until we win strategy is going to work versus a team with stronger laners? It's going to be difficult if you ask me because you look at Invictus and they play a similar style, especially with the Shy when he's in the top lane. They kind of do rely on him. But for me, this is literally G2 going up against themselves. They're looking at a mirror matchup and like, hey, it's you. You know, the Spider-Man meme where you're just like, ah, they're pointing at each other because they're the exact same team. When you look at how they like to play, they like to play around a really strong laners. You got Rookie, you got Duke, you have the Shy for Invictus. And then G2, same thing. You got uh, Perks in mid lane. You got Wonder in top lane, who both like to play very powerfully. They like to try to take over their lane. So it's about whether or not G2 can continue that pattern. Can they continue the pattern of winning the lanes? But now they're finally facing off against the match where they're probably going to be completely even. And honestly, I find it hard to imagine them actually going to be able to do the 1-3-1 as effectively as they did in the past. And I think something we have to think about, too, is that's different than a lot of their other matchups so far, is that, not to discount, obviously, Uzi and Ming, but they're facing an IG that matches them identical toe-for-toe, where RNG had a more, we're going to play as five and fight composition and rely on Uzi. IG, as you said, can match them in the solo lanes, but also they still have that strong bot lane. Jackalove and Balon, specifically Balon, showed up in that quarterfinal matchup against KT. And it's going to be a test to see if Yon and Wadid can continue to play that super safe style and not secede any advantages in lane against Jackie Levin and Balon, and if that can still work, because despite all of Wadid's efforts, if he can't save Yarn enough times against Jackie Levin or Balon, if they can't keep Jackie Levin and, and or Balon in lane, you know, during the early phases and allow them to influence the mid lane or what have you, then I think it's going to be a little bit different because it'll be that extra 2.0 component that RNG did not have and G2 hasn't faced yet in this tournament. Uh, speaking of that culture, since you've, you've zeroed in on the bot lane, which I think is probably the the almost more lopsided matchup than anywhere else on the Rift. Um, we have talked about on this show how weak we felt Hyarnin and Wadid were in the bot lane and the analysts on, on the broadcast have felt that way. And a lot of people have said that traditionally. But at Worlds, it's really hard to discount how solid they've looked they've they have pretty positive kdas uh do you are you prepared to say that the bot lane might actually be a real threat 
for that for G2 now or you still just think it's the perks Yankos and Wonder Show? Yeah, I'm not ready to call them anything. It's still the perks Yankos and uh you know Wonder Show. Yarnin, I mean he hasn't done anything to impress me, you know. It's even as a duel with Wadid, he personally hasn't done anything to impress me. Yeah, the stats look good. He had a 6.9 overall KDA in a series, but again, like I said last week before their quarterfinal matchup, you look at the picks, the Jin, the Varus, Tristana Siver, he didn't even play the Heimerdinger in the last series, and I don't think it's going to be that way for the rest of the world, so you can't rely on that pocket pick. The only games where he did the most damage or remotely close to the amount of the most damage was in the second longest game of the series where Averis will outscale Uzi's Lucian if he's allowed to do so. He's never given the majority of the team gold. He's, you know, never had a single game where he had a lead in the lane or it was even above, you know, 10 CS behind. He was averaging basically 20 and 30 CS behind Uzi, which... You know, it is Uzi, but if you're going to call them a real threat, then you have to be able to lose gracefully, not lose like that. And I think a lot of this lane has to do with Wadid. He is the one who's a real threat in this lane. I can say that he is that. You know, he literally carries G2 bot lane in lane phase. You know, his KDA isn't the most impressive of supports, but it's more the small things. It's the big things like, you know, saving Yarnin multiple times with the Tom Kinch and the Braum, but it's the small things like denying experience leads to Karsa by stealing the Scuttle Crab with Tom Kinch. You know, ensuring that Harmon can keep up in levels by making sure he secures Kanemans and things like that to keep his bottom lane in the game and therefore allow Yarn to get to that one three one stage where he can scale up and at least be serviceable. And, you know, and I just don't think that any other duo support, even like Hillisong or Zazel or any of the supports left in this championship paired with Yarn could do what Wadid would do and the bot lane would be smashed. You know, since we're since we're really talking about this this uh G2 bot lane, we we have to look at the other bot lane that we were pretty harsh on as well. We said we said some unkind things about Baolan. Ginny, Invictus Gaming is the last Chinese team at left uh, left at Worlds. But even though we were making a lot of fun about Baolan, he really showed up versus KT Rolster. Do you think the IG bot lane has finally like found its gears and is just going to run through the rest of the tournament? Um, personally, for me, I don't know if I was that hard on Baoland last time. I know I wasn't, like, full Team China, but, like, I did have some common sense. Um, <laughs> I'll say that as a whole we were mean, not just you specifically. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think for me, just in terms of whether or not the IG bot lane has suddenly found some magical momentum that will enable them to defeat G2 and ride to the wings of the World Championship Trophy... Um, I think honestly, further to what Culture was saying about Hyanan, I think the fact that the G2 bot lane is probably not as as strong, even like objectively just stats wise as the IG bot lane. That's really sort of where my hope is kind of sitting. I know I was particularly harsh on Jackie Love last time because to me, he's kind of like the Chinese wild turtle. Um, he's a bit of a hit and miss. A lot of the time he hits the wrong key, maybe misses. Um... <laughs> But he had some really, 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 in, in really, really incredible moves in the last series they had against KT. And I think he's one of the key reasons why they turned it around so much. And just from a stats, just from a stats perspective, based on the last two matches, I mean, he is doing so much better um, than than Hyanan was. And I think Balan, especially. 
Fallon has a much deeper champion pool than we did at least at Worlds so far, almost double the amount of champions played and also obviously a better success rate. I think that it's not so much that the IG bot lane has finally woken up and, you know, awoken the dragon, but just that they are sort of playing more cohesively. They may have gone over their nerves. They might just be more confident now that RNG is completely knocked out. And I just think that they're coming together at a time whereby G2 is maybe falling apart. And so this might be something that's kind of weird and random going into it with your points talking about bot lane for IG. I think a lot of that actually has been... It has to be attributed to Ning, especially with how he's been playing around Rookie, where Rookie's been playing a lot more of these engaged style mid laners where he's able to go to the bot lane, help out Jackie Love and Balon. Balon pretty much playing babysitter for Jackie Love, but they figured out where their weaknesses were for Invictus. They figured out that Jackie Love playing so aggressively, forcing Balon to have to always save him was one of the places where they were being punished heavily by many teams, especially by Fnatic when you look at how they were in the group stage. So you go into the quarterfinals you go into kt what's the best way to do it well you now have rookie playing lissandra playing galio while ning is more on Xin Zhao. he's more on these bruisers like camille instead of going for zach like he had played before because now it's using it ning playing in the bot lane using that goon squad for invictus to really help them out but this is something i was talking about before when i was talking about how Pretty much for me, the Invictus into G2 matchup is a mirror matchup between how both teams like to play, because that's the exact same thing I see for G2. G2 play a lot around their mid laner and jungler kind of ganging up together and going into the bot lane, helping out Hyarnan and Wadid, making sure that they're getting ahead, because that bot lane of G2 takes so much pressure from all these other teams where they're forced to now answer the bot lane because you get Heimerdinger, you get Jin, things that are really strong in laning phase to answer any of the aggression that could come in from maybe someone like Jakulov, like Balon, who would want to try to win the bot lane, especially when you bring in Ning, you bring in Rookie into the bot lane. Now, that's why I really am interested to see how this matchup's going to go. Whether or not really Jakulov is going to be able to have that help coming in from Rookie and Ning, or whether or not We'll just see suddenly Perks and Hyarnin in the uh, <laughs> Perks and Genkos in the bot lane helping out Hyarnin so that they they don't have to worry about maybe their weakest link falling behind. Well, I mean, just in terms of thinking about the the champions that Hyarnin's going to get to play, realistically, I don't think he's ever going to see the back end of Heimerdinger or the back end of Jin. And even if he does see the back end of Jin, his performance on Jin has been pretty abysmal compared to Jackie Love's, I guess, baseline performance. I think, for me, I think you're right. I think in the KT matchup, it was really integral that Rookie was playing the way he was playing because we know in terms of what KT was doing, with Rookie sort of treating Yukal as like basically someone to just sit in the mid lane and just farm against. They were exerting too much pressure mid lane. And so, yes, you're correct that there was a lot of, I guess, time freed up for Rookie and also for Ning to roam bot. Um, and while that is sort of how the goon squad, quote unquote, from IG works, I don't think that their bot lane is as dependent as G2's bot lane is on getting all that assistance. And that's what sort of puts them ahead in my books in terms of strength. All right. So it looks like we are kind of all in agreement that no matter uh, who is sort of leading off for them, that it's probably going to come down to sort of the bot lane matchup and how we how they allocate the resources there. So. This is the only time that the West and the West aren't facing off. Culture, G2 Esports versus Invictus Gaming. I'm going to I'm going to guess that you have psychic powers 
Invictus Gaming winning 3-1. Am I right? I'm actually going to say 3-2 just because Ooh. of the just because of perks and wonder factor. I think that although both the Soulers for G2 have been playing extremely strong, IG have the Soulers to match them, have a jungler that can match them as long as he plays consistent and the bomb lane of IG as a duo is better than Wadid trying to babysit Yarnin and this is the last this is the last wild ride of the outlaw known as Perks. Mad magical. I'd be go last. I, I promise you, you're going to want it. Oh, boy. Jenny, it's it's your country. <laughs> you defected last last episode. Are you defecting yeah. again? Oh, God, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to G2. Well, not a healthy amount of disrespect to G2. I think that we enter, you know, we are right. It is the teams of two similar play styles, but I think that my boys IG are going to have the advantage. So I'm going to say 3-1. Ooh. All right. So we've got two for IG. Now we call him the Mad Prophet, which means he's either going to troll me and say (laughs) IG, but for a completely different reason than everybody else on the desk. Or we're about to hear the we're about to go on another galaxy quest. Magical. I think I'm ready. So Invictus is a better team than G2. In every single lane, they are better. Uh Uh-oh. I think that they have a much stronger top laner in both the Shy and Duke. That Ning has been doing a great job in rotating with Rookie. And even Jackie Love, though he plays very aggressively and gets himself caught out, has had a lot of help from Valon. But Invictus choke so often when the <laughs> pressure is on them and G2 are going to win 3-2 and oh, make it the into the finals. Factor. Oh, come on, man. Not that. Ch- okay. Wow. All right. Well, I mean, I was not expecting of all wow. galaxy takes. I was I was not expecting the choke factor. Nope. But you know who didn't choke last week? Cloud nine. USA, you know, USA, 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 no, 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 USA. no, 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 get me off. <laughs> now, I, I believe that there were two people. I, I don't, I can't go back on the videotape, but uh, Ginny, what was your prediction last week again? Um, let's just not go over that. Um, all right, all I right, think so I'm fine were, not reliving my mistakes, you know. Uh, I mean, so in a controversial decision. Riot Games let Cloud9 sign the Blue Sentinel mid-match. <laughs> and that singly that single-handedly allowed them to kill Mowgli for the for the win. Uh but we have Cloud9 versus Fnatic. All right, Magical, we have to open with you because you are the resident Cloud9 fan. You you are the Mad Prophet and I have to admit, I, in my heart I wasn't loyal to C9. I, I had I let doubt seep in and I thought I, I thought I had to throw my cards behind Africa. I, I, it's in my pickums. But you are the conductor of this C9 crazy train. Does Fnatic stop C9's progression to the finals, though? So we talked about it last week where you made me break down on podcast where I was worried about how Cloud9 is going to go into this matchup. However, the fact that they did 3-0, like I predicted, Afrikas. <laughs> and I just want to remind everyone, I was the one who said 3-0 for Cloud9, and it happened. They did that, and they did it in game one very convincingly. Game two, very close, where it did come down to the wire. And game three, it was a little better. They were starting to get things back. 
I think Cloud9 actually are one of the teams that you just have to look at how powerful they have been with everyone. Sven Skarin and Jensen especially have stepped up to the plate where before Worlds, people were kind of like, oh, it's all about Licorice. And even I've been saying Licorice is one of the key components of why Cloud9 has been succeeding so much. But Jensen and Sven Skarin both have been playing out of their mind this tournament. Just look at how Jensen was able to get solo kills on Kuro, who a lot of people put in their top 10 for best players here at Worlds. And yet here comes Jensen in, having not even made the top 20. Now suddenly he's getting solo kills. LeBlanc and Kasten, uh, sure, that matchup normally goes to LeBlanc. But the fact that he's doing that, getting the assassinations onto Kramer, he just looked really clean on how he was playing. He was dominating laning phase, was able to transition that into other lanes. Even without Svenskeren, he could go and rotate in bot lane, top lane, wherever he really needed to be. And so Cloud9 is no longer this one-dimensional team that I even thought they were coming out of groups, where I thought it was all about how well do they play around the top side of the map, how well do they translate that into the bot lane. That's going to be their success. They have now been blossoming into this team that has more layers. They can adapt to what they need to. They play with a powerful jungler, play with a powerful mid. They can even play with a powerful bot lane with Sneaky and Hazazel playing very well as well. So I think that Cloud9 have a lot better chances going into Fnatic than I had previously. So you brought up uh, Jensen. And I think that this is sort of an interesting matchup because you have Caps, who has been this consistent hard carry in the mid lane for Fnatic. I think really starting to come online, I would say, at MSI compared to some of his other international performances. And then you have Jensen, who historically has been very hot and cold for Cloud9. Uh, he either give he's he's one of those hard giveth or taketh away mid laners. Ginny, do you think C9? even bothers to play through Jensen? Or do you think we just send Svenskeren and Blabber to other lanes? Um, I think we just keep Blabber just kind of chilling on the bench, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Do do we send Svenskeren, brother Svenskeren to other lanes? Um, yeah, I think we need to send brother Svenskeren around um, to do his job. But I, I think... And I, honestly, I never agree with Magical. Y'all know this if you've been listening to the past two episodes. Me and this guy, nothing in common. But I think he has a point. I think that Jensen actually has really, really stepped up in a surprising and large way. I mean, looking at just their stat performance from the last couple of matches in Worlds, we can see that Jensen actually has quite a bit of a... has a much higher kill participation score and sort of better damage percentages and gold percentages across the board compared to Caps. And I know Caps has always been reliable he's always been the guy that sort of does his job mid lane and get kills but i think that jensen really has exploded performance wise recently and i think that if the team plays around him that's just going to keep going i don't think there are any risk of the cloud nine train slowing down if they play the way that they played in the last particular series and i think that's the beauty of cloud nine right now is the fact that jensen is stepping up. It allows him to play like a lot of other teams have been playing. Instead of having to focus on, you know, sending Sven to the mid lane, instead of having to just throw uh, Jensen on another mid laner that's, you know, not Zillion. Keep playing the Zillion. It's great. But like, you know, the Galio, things like that. Instead of having to throw him on picks like that, they can throw him on a LeBlanc, throw him on an assassin like an Aurelia, let him do his thing in the mid lane, absorb pressure, which gives Finn the room to try and gank for Licorice and influence that top lane. Give him the room to try and look for invades and get that deep vision to help prompt rotations across the map and even go to the bottom lane and, you know, get Zazel and Sneaky better leads because he doesn't have to worry about his mid laner anymore. Jensen is stepping up. He's 
getting solo kills around the map, getting gold, absorbing so much of the enemy team's attention that it allows the rest of the team to play a lot more freely, which used to be Licorice's job, to be honest, which is good for Licorice as well, because now he can play a little bit more aggressive because he knows that if... For instance, Fnag wants to win this game. They might have to think about sending Broxa to the mid lane to take care of Jensen. All right. Um, I definitely agree with that. I think that with with how Jensen has stepped up at this tournament, I think that definitely adds another bag of tricks for Cloud9. But Jenny, what I really want to know is do you how do you actually see this matchup playing out? Do you do you think that this is a winnable lane for Cloud9? I think that if we keep uh, Brother Broxa appropriately occupied... It's Mr. Broxa. Uh, it, is, uh, it, is, it is 100% um, um, a winning lane for Cloud9. I think that just in terms of, for me personally, just the growth of the players so far, I think that Jess has a lot to give and that he's not quite done giving. And I think Culture's got a point there. I think now that we're actually a lot more comfortable putting Jensen on high carry picks like the LeBlanc, which he has 100% win rate on so far... I think that will sort of see him grow and flourish against the likes of Cap. So I think it's a winning lane. Yeah. Well, the thing for me too that I really want to—I want to keep praising Jensen here, you know, as Cloud Nine guy. <laughs> but uh, it's also the fact that he can play so many different styles. It's like you're talking about. Oh, he can play these assassins. He can feel unlocked. Well, he can also go back to Zillion. He can also go back to Lulu Galio, where he can help out with Brothers and and going into these other lanes, going in for these invades, and try to get everyone else ahead. That's the thing with Cloud9, why I think they've become such a strong team. They've really evolved because they can play so many different styles. They can put Sanskaran onto a tank. They can put him onto Gragas. They can put him onto the tank-style Jarvan. Or they can flip it around and go, hey, you're going to get Warrior Enchantment on Jarvan, and we're going to have the Galio for Jensen in mid lane. All the while, you've got Licorice on the split push going for the 1-3-1 composition. It's just There's so many things that this Cloud9 team have been able to bring to the table. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a really good point. We before the show, we were kind of making a joke about a certain AD carry uh, and not a player, but an actual physical champion in the game. We both teams kind of have like an interesting perspective on Kaisa. Uh, Sneaky mm-hmm. has no trouble playing the champion, but he's also really comfortable playing Draven, Lucian, Zaya. And we also know traditionally he has a very strong Jin. and Reckless, on the other hand, Hasn't touched it. Hasn't played it once during Worlds. Uh, it's probably the, the AD carry in the world who's probably played Kaisa the least. What do you think this bot lane battle looks like, Culture? Yeah, and it the it's the probably going to be the closest 2v2 of the entire semifinals. It's an interesting dichotomy as well because Sneaky, he has had a ton of games on the Kaisa. He had eight this entire Worlds. But if you look at the specifics, he had six games before groups and only two games after playing. So he has followed the meta the same as everyone else has, is dropping the Kai'Sa out, except for, you know, LPL teams like IG and EDG, and we see where EDG is now, they're at home. But looking at this bot lane as a whole, these two AD carries had the best series of their lives, of their, not their lives, but their world so far in the quarterfinals, both putting up KDAs close to and around 6.2. Sneaky really being able to show up as that carry that can put the team on his back when they need him to and put up high KDAs and not only just absorb pressure, but really just carry games if he's given the ability and priority and reckless as well, just proving that he's consistent. And both of these players 
have these small champion pools where they only play three or four champions, really, but they play these three or four champions extremely well. However, I think this lane is more about the supports than the AD carries. I think this entire world, and it's shown, and you think it's an obvious, you know, solution it's when my support's playing well the ad carry plays well but there are a lot of ad carries at this world who have supports that are not carrying the lane and the ad carry is the one doing most of the work in the lane i think hillisong when he's on fire playing the supports that are aggressive like the thresh recon alistar sets up reckless to if not get kills in lane have the you know amount of comfort to you know Get the CS leads on the Sivir. Get ahead on the Ezreal so you can get to his build and start caring for the team. Same for Zazel. When Zazel's on fire, he's had two. He's had some of the best Thresh and Alistar games I've seen of any supports at Worlds thus far. And I mean all of them. And this kid is a rookie. And when he's on fire, Sneaky succeeds as well. And they are a very scary and dangerous 2v2. You know, and if, you know, finally, just concluding my point, Looking at these two dual lanes, Reckless and Hillsong are known because they are consistently solid and good, and Hillsong has always known since his Unicorns of Love days how and when to take advantage of any 2v2 opponent in any situation. If he sees an opening, he goes for it without hesitation. But Sneaky and Zazel are scary because, like the rest of their team, you just don't know what they may pull out of the woodwork, and nothing is ever truly random with this Cloud9 team and with this Cloud9 bot lane, and that can sneak up on Hillsang and Reckless and maybe put them in a sore spot that needs some help. Yeah, I I do have a quick question for you, Culture. Uh, one of the things that we've seen both of these players be willing to play is the Sivir pick. Do you think that this is more of a, a counter pick for them, or do you think this might actually become a contested pick in the bot lane between the two teams. I think it's more of it's a it's a comfort thing where if you see Cloud9 or Fnatic go down, I'm not going to say 1-0, but if they go down 2-0 or 2-1, you might see them pull out the Sivir just because it has such late game assurance and both Reckless and Sinky play it very well to where you know that they will make it out of the lane phase, you know they'll make it toward the team fighting phase, and they'll usually get to their three or four items spike and be able to carry. And that's why they'll play it, is if they fall behind. I don't think it will be something you use as a counter, I don't think it will even be high priority in this series until it gets to that point for either one of these two teams. Alright, uh, so we're going we're gonna to go from the bot lane all the way over to the top lane because it's a pretty interesting matchup because whereas Cloud9 has two junglers, Fnatic has two top laners that they have been very willing to show off at Worlds. Ginny, I think that the most interesting matchup is definitely going to be Bwipo versus Licorice because I think Bwipo and Licorice have very similar play styles. So tell me a little bit about Bwipo at this tournament and do you think that this is the top laner they're going to start with? Um, I think it would make sense for them to start with Bupo. Um, I think he's performed really well recently. He's had some clutch on ult, some really spectacular um, kill participation and just sort of contributing to the game. And personally, while Licorice has a much deeper, deeper champion pool at Worlds and deeper champion pool historically, I think that Bupo has been the guy that Fnatic's been starting with recently and it makes sense to keep going with him. Um, I think that if they start falling behind in games, they might pull in Soaz, who is probably a little bit more bloodthirsty and used not not so much an Orn player, but more sort of, you know, the, the Cho'Gath player or maybe even something more extreme than that if his back is against the wall. So 
I think they'll start Whipper as a safe pick because he's proven to be very safe, always showing up for team fights, always participating. But I think if they kind of go down one or two games, they might want to bring in Soez instead. In terms of how Licorice has been doing, though, I think that his variety in terms of the champion pool is probably something that Fnatic wants to watch out for. I mean, he's played things like Hecarim, he's played things like Poppy, played things like the Singe, and he's done really, really well on all of them. Well, Poppy, not so much, but I think <laughs> a niche pick like the Hecarim and the Singe, that's important to actually have in his back pocket. I don't think that they can afford to target ban those particular champions against um, people like Svenskaren, Jensen, and Sneaky, especially with hotly contested AD carry picks. So it's possible that they let a niche pick slide through for Licorice and he kind of stomps. So we'll have to see. I love my boy Bippo. Um, he is, um, I would say, probably the logical pick for Fnatic, but I think the flashier, perhaps more dangerous laner is Licorice. And Amanda, while I do agree with you about who they start, I think no doubt that Bippo has shown he's more than capable. He's been able to carry the team as well as play some tanks. I think their reasons for possibly swapping them out are different. And correct me if I'm wrong, if I misunderstood you, but I think they go with Bupo because they want that straight up one-on-one head-to-head of these two aggressive, very flexible top laners. And if Bupo can't cut it, then you bring in Soaz to try and neutralize Licorice. Be like, okay, so we can't beat him with aggression. We can't beat him in a 1v1 of a skill matchup or otherwise just player to player. So we bring in Soaz because he's been the neutralizer, the guy that, you know, he's not trying to win lane, but he just wants to neutralize you and keep you from doing what you've done so well to help your team get the win. And I think it would even be more consistent with the fact that he has now one or two or however many games they they give him before they sub him in, if they have to sub him in. Now he has those one, two games to see what Licorice plays like, see how he does, how he plays in lane. And then he can come in Mm. and basically make sure that Licorice has no effect on the game whatsoever. It's essentially a 4v5 at the very worst, a 4v4 that I think Fnatic is confident that they can win. Yeah, I definitely. So to to clarify, I don't think that I uh, I wasn't saying that like we don't see the other. So if we start with Bippo, we never see Soaz. Uh, I think that an interesting point that was made on the desk was that you sometimes start Bippo so that so that you don't have to carry through the bot lane or mid lane. That you have Bippo there to see if he smashes the other the other top laner, and so you create a power. Uh, pull to the top lane to sort of alleviate pressure on the rest of the map. Uh, I find it interesting that both of you think that Soaz is the more aggressive top laner because I've always thought of Soaz more traditionally as that that rock that you just can't move. So I, I, I do find that an interesting point. But Magical, you're the Cloud9 man. Are you, What do you <laughs> got to say about your boy... Your boy Licorice, it sounds like they're pretty they're pretty solid on the Fnatic top lane winning here. So remember how I said earlier how Cloud9 Uh-oh. is evolving? Well, mm-hmm. it used to be that Licorice was the hard carry, this is the guy who's going to win. Well, we saw in the series against Africa that that's not necessarily the case. Of course, they take the Aatrox into the top lane, but then it's the counter of Victor top lane that can really punish him, something that Whippo can play. Whippo also plays Swain both of which are really strong into Aatrox. So this means that Cloud9 has to rely on other lanes, and I think this is fine. 
this is great for Cloud9. They go, okay, Bwepo's gonna try to win this lane. He's gonna try to go for something aggressive like Swain, like Victor, that's not necessarily as powerful in these team fights when it comes to flanks, as well as eventually Aatrox is just gonna become a split push menace. Let's keep playing this style so that way Fnatic are struggling just to stop one side of the map, let alone the entirety of it, because they're gonna have Svenskir and they're gonna have Jensen make sure that they put the tent around mid lane, put caps behind, all the while bot lane is just reckless and Hill saying trying to break the wall of Sneaky and Zazel saying we will try to get this turret and they're just like nah it's cool we're just gonna wait till the lane wait to team fights that's that's great or they pick Lucian for Sneaky and they're like okay now we win laning phase now it's no longer the Sneaky and lane phase meme that everyone likes to go around it's Sneaky getting solo kills onto Reckless which would be absolutely crazy to have thought about before this world's but now it's been something that is a reality sneaky has been starting to do really well in laning phase that can punish reckless can punish hillisang especially who has been a little bit too aggressive in that bot lane and that's all because how the top lane has shifted away from being so top focused where Sven Skaren had to play so much attention up there because licorice can play different styles he can go oh i want to go for the tanks oh i want to go for the split pusher it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you send whippo doesn't matter if you send so as to face off against me because I'm just going to make you now play to my style regardless of what I play, whether it's Singe, whether it's Aatrox, whether it's Orn. Eventually, you have to deal with me, and this is why Cloud9 wins. Okay, I'm going to assume that was the end of your diatribe. <laughs> um, so so really, all, all I really got from that was that Licorice isn't going to do particularly well, but it won't matter. Because he's just going to exist in lane and farm and eventually be able to do something at the end of the game. I don't know if that's necessarily like the most glowing recommendation for a top lane I've heard in my life. It's not. <laughs> not anymore, at least. <laughs> it used to be top lane island, though, right? Where you're just like, oh, we we have a top side of the map. Huh. Who would have thought? Right. So, I mean, just... Sorry, just in terms of bringing it back to, I guess, Bipo versus Licorice, in terms of what Mad Magical was saying, I'm hearing that Fnatic's top lane is going to smash then, if that's what he's thinking. Uh, I don't go as far as saying smash. I just go saying the meta has changed, and it's no longer uh. about having to dominate top lane so much as just getting pressure alleviated. Very diplomatic. <laughs> And culture, you know, it sounds like you have something to say. I just want to first clarify and, you know, these blasphemous accusations that I said that Fnatic's top lane was was better. In fact, I think that licorice is essentially enough to take care of so as in Bupo, not in the fact he's going to smash either of them in lane, because I think that so as again, neutralizer, so as isn't trying to win lane, he just wants to make sure licorice can't do anything. I just believe that. As Magical was saying, Licorice will absorb enough pressure because he can take on both this uh, top lane duo that the rest of C9 will be able to flourish. Because I, I think that Licorice, you know, in a 1v1 scenario, if you took Licorice versus Whippo or Soaz, you know, 10 games each and said, you got 10 1v1s, go for it. I think Licorice wins those 1v1s, uh, you know, 8 out of 10 times between the both of them. All right. So we've 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 been on Cloud9 for a little bit. We've been on Fnatic for 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 a bit as well. It's time for the predictions. Ginny, you know, you didn't even yeah. think Cloud9 would get this far. Yeah. Does, 
Are you voting against them again? Or are we seeing a cloud nine in the finals? So this is hard for me because I'm torn between two white cultures that I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Gun to your head. It feels bad to admit either one. But um, I think that from what I've said so far, um, the comments I've made about about Cloud9 versus Fnatic, I actually think that it's going to be a really close one. But Cloud9 is going to win and it's going to be (gasps) 3-2. I, I think we need to make sure that Ginny is not under duress. That <laughs> that does not sound like the Ginny we've had these past this past couple of weeks together. I thought I knew you, and I don't <laughs> I don't think I know anything anymore. Culture, you're my rock. You're you're not a defector like Ginny, and you're not crazy train like magical. <laughs> Culture, your prediction. I'm going to go three two cloud nine. Wait a second. We might have the first <laughs> unanimous desk in this iteration of the analyst desk history. The only thing that could ruin this, the only thing that could absurd this this unity that we have is mad magical. Mad Hi. magical. All you have to do is make the correct prediction, but I feel like you're going to hurt us. So, so we all know I love Cloud9. They're my team. They're my, my, they're uh-huh. my favorite. I respect them and love them. <laughs> Fnatic was the team that I pegged to win Worlds. So at the very beginning, when group stage had not even started yet, I had said Fnatic would win Worlds, and everyone laughed at me. Y'all were there laughing at me, saying I was crazy. Then again, you also said I was crazy because I said Cloud9 was going to get out of groups. And now, now look where we are. So we, <laughs> we look at how everything has kind of formed. And now I'm, I'm put between a rock and a hard place. It's the team that I had originally pegged to win Worlds. And then my favorite, my, my home, my lovelies, Cloud9. I have to You're choose. You're going to break my heart here. I have to choose one of them. Fnatic are an amazing team. And it's so hard for me to say this just because of Cloud9. Spit but it out, man! 3-0. Oh. Oh USA! Oh. USA! 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 Oh my god. 3-0. The end oh, of Euphoria is this weekend. <laughs> oh, crap. Wait, wait, wait. So we could we could we could cure the world of Euphoria with these predictions. Not if mine come true, because I still have G2 making it in. Oh, that's right. You're the madman. That's a medicine that I I approve. I mean, we definitely need to administer it to Robin. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that that boy can do some help. A little worried about about our our cohort here, who uh, took a little too much euphoria. And then, uh, I don't know, hyperventilating, I think it's like a word to use. (laughs) But remember, guys, that if you like this podcast and you want esports content that you can consume on the go, you should check out the Analyst Desk Twitter. That's the underscore Analyst Desk. And you also get great things. Not only will you get the same dope analytical content that you get here, you're going to get commercials like Body. 
fragrance by Jensen. And also licorice scented body for her. Oh, dear. <laughs> if you want to be able to smell like you've just clapped Korea's last hope. <laughs> Body by Jensen. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny, where can they find you on Twitter? Um, They can find me uh, avoiding all other NA and EU people for the foreseeable future. Um, No, I'm at Ginny Woes. That's G-I-N-N-Y-W-O-E-S. Culture. The man with the fashion sense. Yo, yo, yo. Y'all can find me at ATLE Sports Guy. That's capital A, capital T, capital L. Capital E Sports Guy on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find me at commentator <laughs> underscore culture. Yeah, I'm giving all the shout outs. The sellout is full tonight. Let's get it. Shell. Mad Profit, when you're not, I don't know, wearing tinfoil hats and like Wait, being I- in back alley scaring people. <laughs> Wait, when am I not doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, on Twitter, they probably could find me um, uh, at my Twitter, which is a cool one. It's um, the one I use called at um, Matt underscore magical. That's usually where you can find me. All right. And as always, you guys can find me at Amanda T and Stevens. This has been a, a fun ride. We are we have one more episode of Worlds to go. Hopefully our predictions come true and we have a cloud nine versus Invictus Gaming finals where we might have to replace Ginny because I I think at this point the Chinese government's going to find her. But until next time, guys, remember that pick'ems are bullshit and they will always be a dumpster fire. <laughs>